Let's go to John 14 tonight. John 14. This is one of those messages I wasn't sure where to start. So let's start with heaven. It's a good place to start. It's going to be an even better place to end, isn't it? We've been talking about questions that we have, and yes, I am aware of a few t- two, couple of tough questions were taken care of in my absence as well. Appreciate Brother Davies falling on his grenade for me. Thank you. Um, so I don't have to cover that one. We started out with how do I know I'm saved? Talking about eternal security, assurance of salvation, things of that nature. Then we spent a little time in some basic apologetics and comparative theology when we talked about how do we know we are right? The third message was a difficult one. What happens when a baby dies? We talked about the age, or I prefer to use the term the point of accountability. Wrong views on election and limited atonement. Message four was what happened when believers die. We talked about the rapture and what happens until the rapture with those that have passed away. Where are they and what's going on with them? And we talked a little bit about can they see us and see what's going on. And now tonight, message five in this series is question number five. Will what I love here be there? Over my time pastoring, I've gotten a lot of questions about what will be in heaven, you know, as it, re- re- Come on, Andy. as it relates to what we enjoy here, things like our animals and our uh, recreation and our food and that kind of thing. And so that's why I said as a subtitle, will what I love here be there, pets, pastimes, and pasta. Um, and... Well, let's just read the scripture. John chapter 14, verse number 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. That is our destination as Christians, is that we be with Christ in heaven for all eternity. Do animals go to heaven? Will my pet be in heaven? Will I play golf? Will I play my guitar? Will I garden? Will we eat? And if so, will our favorite foods be there? And this may seem like a a silly investigation, but it's never a bad thing to learn what the Bible teaches on any subject. It's far better to ask the question than to teach wrongly in an effort to make someone feel better. So we're going to begin with these questions, and we're going to try to broaden this discussion to a subject of much greater consequence. Well, what I love here, be there. Father, would you help us now as we look to your word, and Lord, help me to rightly divide it and to be a help to your people, and may Christ be lifted up in it. For it's in his name we ask these things. Amen. Let's let's begin, first of all, with what we hope will be there what we hope will be there. So let's start with pets. Will animals, and specifically my animals, be in heaven? All right, Let let me begin with the first wrong answer. No. I 
I've known preachers over the years that when they were asked that question, even by precious little children, it was an immediate, no, of course not. You know. And a common refrain is that animals don't have souls, thus they have no eternity. Do animals have souls? Well, depends on how you define a soul, I guess. Y'all thinking preacher's about to take us way out in the left field. <laughs> Just stay with me, okay? <laughs> There's several different definitions for a soul. If a soul is that part of us that is conscious of its surroundings, animals are conscious of their surroundings. They don't just walk into stuff. They know what's around them. So they would fit that criteria. If a soul is that part of us that is God conscious, then I think there's a case to be made that animals and all of creation is at the very least God responsive, if not God conscious. My soul, if a wave knows when to lay down when Jesus tells it to do so, I would imagine a dog does. Here's my point. My point is not to prove to you that animals have souls by any definition or they have an eternal nature. My point is that the animals don't have souls argument is maybe not our best approach. You know, you can be right but argue wrong. You know, maybe this isn't the best argument. Now, here's what we know. There are animals in heaven. At the very least, there's horses. Now, as a kid, I struggled with that. Because I have several pronounced fears. I don't like clowns. Clowns bother me. I'm sorry they just do. The face makeup and everything. If you've ever been a clown, please don't be offended. I'm just, especially the ones that won't talk. Mimes, mimes get all over me. What are you hiding? You know. I can't take heights. I am terrified of heights. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of horses. And I got good reason because when I was Asher's age, my mom and dad took me to a petting zoo, which turned out to be a chomping zoo. The horse bit me. And now they get the vibe off of me, y'all. When I get near a horse, that horse knows that guy didn't like me, so I don't like him. So the idea of riding a horse from the heights of heaven bothered me as a kid. But that's exactly what's going to happen. I would assume in my glorified body I'll be over those fears. I sure hope so. Now, if there's a clown in heaven, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, people are going to show up dressed as clowns now. But, you know, we see in Revelation chapter 19, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he that judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. But did you know that's not the first time heaven, heaven's horses are mentioned? 
What came to pick up Elijah? A horse. Second Kings 2.11, it came to pass as they still went on and talked that behold there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Second Kings chapter 6 verse 17, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. So at the very least there's horses up there. Some of them might even be on fire. Now, hear me all the way through this, Bible scholars. There are some animals mentioned by Isaiah that may, many scholars think, may refer to the new heaven and the new earth and not just the millennial kingdom. Now, I don't include Isaiah 11 in that because Isaiah 11 specifically mentions children, and I don't believe that young children are going to be in heaven. I think we're all going to be adult in appearance. But Isaiah 65, verse 25, the wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy, and all my holy mountain saith the Lord. Would you agree with me? Now, now this, is, this is conjecture. This is conjecture, and, and so we're not preaching this as doctrine. But would it be reasonable to conclude that whatever God made that is good will find its way to heaven? I think so. So then when you read at the end of the creation account, Genesis 1.31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. I don't think it's a stretch to conclude that what we would have seen in that pristine environment in the Garden of Eden is very much what we'll see in heaven. Because there's no bad in it. There's no evil in it. We're talking about the wrong answer of no. You cannot form a doctrine or even an opinion based on your feelings for or prejudices against animals. So if you have a belief about this, make sure that you're not forming it just based upon the idea, well, I just can't imagine that. Well, that doesn't rise to the level of doctrine. Okay? That said, I see no upside in telling a grieving child that their pet has been annihilated. What do you gain from that? Because in all candor, you can't say that for sure. I have suspicions, but I have no doctrine. So the first wrong, and by the way, this whole thing of telling the grieving child their pet has been annihilated, can I remind you what Proverbs 15, 23 says? A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good is it? You can say the right thing at the wrong time and in the wrong way. A word spoken, I've seen preachers do this. Pastor, do you think my dogs went to heaven? Absolutely not. Well, how have you helped that kid? Even if you don't think you did, there's other ways to handle that. And I'll tell about that in a second. So wrong answer number, number one is no. Will my pet be in heaven? Wrong answer number two is yes. While we can confirm the presence of some animals, that does not mean our pet will be among them. And to say yes would be at best a weak argument from silence. And an argument from silence is the weakest kind of argument. Okay. So wrong answer number one is no. Wrong answer number two is yes. 
So what in the world is the right answer? Only God knows. Which do you want first? Do you want the lighthearted comment on this or do you want the the one that you're going to be stay up at night thinking about? Which do you want first? All right, I'm going to give you the lighthearted one first. When somebody asks me, will my pet be in heaven? I say that I can't be dogmatic. <laughs> but that certainly cats will not be. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, if anybody's pet... If anybody, if any any type type of pet will be there, then all types of pets will be there. That's right, even snakes. Hey, were snakes in the garden? Yeah. Now let me give you the one that's tough. I understand that pets are near and dear to our hearts. I listen. I've been there, y'all. I have wept over animals dying. I'm not discounting that. I'm not saying that that's silly. I don't feel that way. But I do want to issue a warning that we all need to deal with, okay? Here it is. Take great care to never become the person who is more concerned with Fido or Fifi being in heaven than you are your neighbor, your coworker, or your family member. And I've known some people like that. That they grieved more over their animal than they did their neighbor. That goes too far. So, will my pet be in heaven? Only God knows. But at least take it that I didn't stand here and say, no. Okay, so we got that. What about my pastimes? What about my pastimes? Will I be able to do in heaven what I love to do here? Now, obviously, no pastime that somebody engages in that's unholy is going to be in heaven. If you like to play the numbers, I'm sorry. It's not, you know, there's not going to be a lottery in heaven, y'all. Just not. Revelation 21, 27, there shall, be no, there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. One of the things that makes heaven heaven is there will be nothing unholy in heaven. Nothing. Which is wonderful. Also, um, now I realize time does not work in heaven the same way that it does here, but when we think of, we can only think in terms of time, a great deal of the time of our activity in heaven will consist of praising God. We're going to spend a whole lot of time doing that. And let me tell you something, I don't want to say it's going to be involuntary, but when you lay eyes on Jesus, all you're going to want to do is praise him. Revelation 5, verse 8, when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. By the way, those prayers of saints, I believe those are the same bottles that David talks about in the Psalms thousands of years earlier. God keeps things that matter to him. 
And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God us uh, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever and the four beasts said amen and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever going to be a whole lot of praising going on but then the idea of idleness in heaven is just completely erroneous. This idea that we're going to go to heaven and float around on a cloud and play on our harp and do nothing, that is absolutely unscriptural. We're going to return to God's perfect plan. And we see that in Eden. In Eden, predating the curse, this perfection included work, labor. Now, it was perfectly enjoyable. It was not what we understand it to be today, but work was not a result of the curse. It predates the curse. Genesis 2, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Adam, he got a job, dress and keep this garden. Then he says in verse 20, and Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. All right, Adam, here's what I want you to do. I want you to name every one of these animals. Now, that's impressive in its own right, but you know what's more impressive to me? That he remembered what he named them. Anybody can look at something and say, horse. But then a couple days later, when that same animal walks by, what I call that thing again? Horse. Um, so Adam had things to do. Though time is not a factor in heaven, a great deal of our activity is already planned. <coughs> God has things that we're going to be allowed to do. Now that said, I can think of many pastimes that I think would not only be allowed in heaven, but amplified there. A little spoiler alert, there is eating in heaven. So it's reasonable to conclude that there is food preparation in heaven. And so if you enjoy cooking here, imagine how much better it will be there. And by the way, there's no sorting through bad produce in heaven. All of it's the good stuff. All of it. I think it's reasonable to conclude there will be cooking and food preparation. How about hiking? You like hiking? I don't. You got 1,500 miles square each way. That's just the new Jerusalem. Feel free to hike. Be wonderful. Enjoy gardening. That was Adam's job. I was talking to Miss Joan this morning. I, I, I thought specifically, Brother Stewart. I, for those of you that don't know, Brother Stewart kept bees. And I don't see any reason why. Adam wouldn't have done the same. It's not like after the curse, all of a sudden the bees started making honey. I think Adam probably kept bees. Is it so far out to think that Brother Stewart, if he feels like it, wants to, is keeping bees? 
You talk about some honey. Man, why not? How about music? You love music? Imagine how good it's going to be up there. What about art? I enjoy painting. Have at it. Why not? Now, I realize a lot of these are arguments from silence. I'm not presenting them as doctrine. I'm just saying it's okay to imagine these things. Brother Earl, I know of at least two books in heaven. If there's two, there's probably more. I got to think that there's going to be an opportunity to read. I know this. We're going to spend the rest of eternity learning. And if you enjoy learning, you got all eternity to learn. And that's going to be wonderful. You enjoy fellowship? You enjoy hanging around with other Christians? I hope you do, because we're going to be doing a lot of it in heaven. When, when's the last time you just got together with a group of, of like-minded people that you love and just had a good time, just enjoyed one another's company? We're going to be doing a whole lot of that up there, most notably with our loved ones that we miss. All right, preacher, what about hunting? Let me offer you this. Activities that involve death, which would include hunting and fishing, or competition, any kind of sport, would have to be adjusted in some way, but not necessarily ruled out. What am I saying? I can't tell you there's going to be hunting in heaven. But if it is, we can't kill anything in heaven. So it could be something along the lines of you get that, you get that deer in your sight, you take him down, and then he pops up and goes, good shot, man. I'll see you tomorrow. Maybe. <laughs> A lot of people ask me about golf. I can't play golf if it's like here. Heaven would become unholy if I play golf in heaven like I play it here. I get so mad. So I, it's one of the reasons I gave it up. I just wasn't a very good Christian when I played golf. I'm not saying I threw my clubs and cussed and everything. I'm just saying inside, I was just angry and mad and just wanted to just leave. That's not helpful to a Christian. So it had to be adjusted in some way, but not necessarily ruled out. So what's the answer for that? Only God knows. Pets, pastimes, oh, preacher, will my pasta be there? Or whatever other word you want to substitute for that. Will there be eating? And if so, what will we enjoy? I know for a fact there will be eating. It's a pretty big event that takes, takes place after we arrive there. It's fleshed out in Revelation 19. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. I've never, ever been to or even heard of a supper that didn't involve eating. 
Jesus ate in his glorified body, even meat. John 21, what did he have with his disciples there on the shores of Galilee? Bread and fish, if you count fish as a meat. I do, but just barely. Okay. Um, I've told you about the discussion I had with my grandmother, who's now in heaven, who now knows that I'm right. Um, we talked about it. She said, do you think there will be steak in heaven? I said, absolutely. Well, a cow would have to die for there to be steak. I'm telling you, you're telling me the omnipotent, all-powerful creator of the universe can't make a T-bone. Just saying. It's an argument from silence, but still. Jesus promised that he would drink of the fruit of the vine in his kingdom, so we know there will be drinking, the right kind. We know, according to Revelation 22, that there are fruit trees in heaven. What's the point of fruit trees if you don't eat the fruit? There's some evidence that we may continue the Jewish feast throughout eternity. Now, not the sacrifices, but the feasts and all of the food that's associated with them. Leviticus 23.41 says, And ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in a year. It shall be a statute forever. We cannot know if our favorite foods or drinks will be available specifically, but they aren't expressly ruled out, and we can be assured that whatever we eat will literally be out of this world. Can I summarize this? This whole thing about pets, pastimes, and pasta, can I summarize it this way? I've mentioned this before. You know that my dad and I had our issues, but that doesn't mean that he never gave me good counsel or that he never did loving things for me. And he helped me a great deal when I was young. Young enough for it to be a big deal, but old enough to remember. I had a pet die, and it just tore me all to pieces. And I came up to him, and I was just snubbing and carrying on. And I said, Dad, will that particular pet be in heaven? And my dad said, heaven is all about joy and happiness and fulfillment. And if God knows that the only way for you to have that is for that animal to be there, she'll be there. That's a good answer. Basically, if God knows the only way you'll be happy in heaven is for that dog to be there, she'll be there. And it satisfied me. And it still satisfies me. If the only way for me to be happy in heaven is for Krispy Kreme donuts to be there, then they'll be there. But can I tell you what happens? And once again, I'm not saying that it's not a valid question or it's not important. If it wasn't important, I wouldn't bother preaching about it. But as a little kid, though I still grieve over pets, my dog Minnie, my lab mix, has been with me for a long time, and she doesn't have much time left. I never used to understand people cremating their animals. But after I tried to dig a hole in my yard, I get it. 
Um, so that's where Minnie's headed. But anyway, every, every winter I think it's her last one. Shouldn't have long. Doc Jessie assures me that she's not in pain. She's just slowing down. So I don't feel I don't feel any you know need to hasten it. But she's getting old. She's at minimum 15 years old, but for a log, large dog, is a lot, a lot of years. And when she dies, I'll grieve. I'll miss her. She's been with me a long time through a lot of stuff. I've had many longer than I've had Crystal. Now, that doesn't mean I love many more than Crystal, but I'm just saying I've known, I've known many longer. Now, I'll fix that later. But I will respond to her passing differently now than I would have when I was four. You know why? Because we mature, and we grow, and we learn. And the more that we mature in the faith and the more that we learn from God's Word, the more we move away from those questions that maybe aren't as helpful, and the more we get focused on what really matters. And that's what I want to move into now. That All of this has been this relatively lighthearted introduction to what I think we really need to be focused on tonight regarding that question, will what I love here be there? As I matured, the things that were important to me changed. When I was a kid, I had a friend named Robbie. My mom said that I was able to go stay at Robbie's house, and so I went to my room to pack. The first thing I grabbed was my pillow because I need my pillow. By the way, I'm still like that. My pillow went with me to Maine because who knows? You get up there and get a sorry pillow. I like my pillow. And then I had a big old bag full of nothing but toys. I didn't think about a toothbrush, toothpaste, change of clothes, anything, just toys. I pack a little bit differently now. As we mature and we grow more like Jesus, we find, ourselves, we, we find ourselves looking at things that were once important to us, growing strangely dim. Instead of spending an ordinary amount of time pondering what we hope is there, what might be there, we do well on, on focusing on two exhilarating thoughts. The first one is this, I know what won't be there, and then I know what will be there. And I think that's where we need to focus tonight. Not as far as time goes. We're nearly at the end of the message. But we like to, we like to think about, you know, will my pet be there? Will my favorite food be there? And that's fine to think about that. But don't get inordinate about that. Focus on what we know, first of all, won't be there. Revelation 21, verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Now, this isn't immediate. There is some time before this happens. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. I get excited when I start thinking about what won't be there. Pain won't be there. Death won't be there. Undertakers will be there if they're saved, but they'll be out of work. Doctors will be there, but they'll be out of work. They'll not be needed in that profession. God will give them something else to do. 
I tell you, Brother Johnny, I'll tell you what else I'm excited about. My propensity to say the wrong thing won't be there. Brother McDonald, my, my tendency to think the wrong thing won't be there. My times of failing my Savior won't be there. Fear won't be there. My bouts with anxiety won't be there. My attempts and failures at eating right won't be there. My preparing myself to say goodbye to a loved one won't be there. Cancer won't be there. Multiple sclerosis won't be there. Alzheimer's and dementia won't be there. COVID won't be there. The media won't be there. At least not in that capacity. Heaven's going to be a wonderful place for what won't be there. But then after you've pondered that for a little bit, spend some time thinking about what we know will be there. (laughs) Go to Revelation 21, won't you? Revelation 21. Verse number one. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, verse 3 is what makes heaven heaven. You ready? And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God oh now listen we're excited about the mansions I've got a mansion just over the hilltop (laughs) old song just give me a cabin in glory land keep your cabin I'll take my mansion I'm I'm intrigued by the ideas of streets of gold, gold that's so transparent you can see through it. The foundations of heaven that have 12 precious stones in them. The gates of pearl. I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings. The Bible didn't say pearly gates. It says gates of pearl, which means one of two things. Either the gates are made out of pearl material or they are gigantic pearls. a sky that ascends 1,500 miles into the air. All the things that we talked about that we're going to enjoy, marriage, supper, and feasts, and so forth, all that's going to be there. But, man, as much as that's intriguing, let's be honest. Those people that we love that have gone on before us, we're much more interested in seeing them 
than we are the mansions, the streets, the Crystal River. And every one of us in here has somebody we're thinking about right now. Somebody we miss. For me, it's three people I've not yet met. But I can't wait to meet them. As wonderful as that is, that's not the best part. Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. (laughs) If Jesus doesn't come back first, every one of us will eventually face death. We will draw our last breath here. But when we draw that first breath in heaven, it'll smell of aloe and cassia and myrrh. How do I know? Because that's what the psalmist said was in the garments of Messiah. The first voice will be his. The first touch will be his. The first sight will be his face. And as much as I love my loved ones, and as much as I love the idea of streets of gold and gates of pearl and all of that, in that moment, all I will want to do for all eternity is lay at the feet of Jesus. Oh, what glory awaits me in heaven's bright city. When I get there, such sights I'll behold. A million scenes of rare beauty will demand that I view them, but Jesus will outshine them all. Sparkling rivers are flowing, happy faces all glowing, in a land of splendor where night never falls. The golden glass gives reflection to that city's perfection. But Jesus will outshine them all. Mansions will glisten on the hills of glory. And you know the rest. Jesus outshines them all. Ponder on the other things for fun. That's okay. But don't spend too much time on it. Because far better use of my time when I think of will what I love here be there is when I think about what I know won't be there and what I know will. Now, here's, here's our action tonight. Here's, here's our challenge Will what I love here be there? Let's do everything we can to make sure who we love here will be there. God will sort out pets, and he'll sort out food, and he'll sort out golf. 
He'll sort all of that out. But he leaves it to us to tell our loved ones, to tell our coworkers, to tell our classmates and our neighbors that Jesus died, was buried, and on the third day rose again that they might be saved. And that way, those that I love down here will be there.